Homily for the Fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time, January 30th, 2022, St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks. This week begins Catholic Schools Week. I invite you to remember in your prayers our students, teachers, and administrators, especially at Holy Family St. Mary's Catholic School. Thank you to our teachers and to our families for the commitment you are making to Catholic education. Dorothy Day was an American Catholic journalist and social activist to whom the Church attributes the title Servant of God because Rome is considering whether she should be canonized as a saint. One of Dorothy Day's most famous quotes is this, I only really love God as much as the person I love the least. St. Paul had a lot to say in today's second reading about the nature and importance of love in a Christian's life. If we are clear about what he is describing, we will have a better idea of the love that propelled Jesus and the prophet Jeremiah in today's readings. If you have been to a Catholic wedding in the last few years, chances are good that the second reading used there was the one we heard today, from chapter 13 of St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. I suspect this reading has become so familiar to many that they do not appreciate what it is really saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tends to sound like a hallmark Valentine's Day card. Love is patient, love is kind, etc. If you have followed an argument on social media about what a Christian ought to be, this passage gets a lot of mileage there too. It reminds me of those live, laugh, love signs one sees at stores like Hobby Lobby. Dangerously close to an empty platitude used as window dressing. What specifically is the love to which St. Paul refers here? And what does that kind of love spur us on to do? When I've seen in recent years those yard signs with the heading, hate has no home here, I've often said to myself, well, I certainly hope that's true, but I'm skeptical. If I were a guest in their home, as a Catholic who loves and accepts everything the Church teaches, I may get some searing hate blasting at me. For that matter, I may face the same challenge if they were the ones visiting my home. So what is the Lord asking of me? Faith, hope, and love are theological virtues, which means that unlike other virtues, they have their proper endpoint only in God. That's how they fully make sense. St. Paul insists that without love, we have nothing, even if we happen to possess any number of other gifts. The love of God saved the world, and God's love in the church changes the world. When we read the litany of St. Paul's description of love, what if we replaced the word love in each phrase with Christ? Christ is patient. Christ is kind. It is he who laid down his life and was raised from the grave so that death lost its sting and could no longer separate us from him. Focus your attention for a moment on this statement. Jesus does not rejoice over wrongdoing, 
but rejoices with the truth. When God first called Jeremiah to be a prophet, Jeremiah objected that he thought he was too young. And God responded, Do not say I am too young. Be not crushed on the people's account, as though I would leave you crushed before them. God instructed him to gird your loins, that is, hitch up your clothing, the free-flowing robes people customarily wore, so that you were ready to move and get to work. Jeremiah was to say what God gave him to say, knowing that God would strengthen him for the task. He would persevere, because the Spirit of God would make him a fortified city, a pillar of iron, a wall of brass against the whole land. There are revealing moments in this book of the Old Testament in which Jeremiah briefly pulled back the veil. In other words, he allowed us, the reader, to see the anguish that he was facing. It bothered him intensely that so many of his fellow Jews came to despise him when all he wanted was their well-being. But it would be far worse in the long run to lie to them and affirm all of their choices. Even if those choices were harmful to them or wounded their relationship with God. And that's where we get to the nitty-gritty, so to speak. What do Jesus and Jeremiah decide to do? Do they speak the truth in love, even if the reaction will be unpleasant or hostile? Now, there's no reason to think that the people of Nazareth were a bunch of corrupt reprobates. They loved their families like all of us do. During this gospel, they were at church in the synagogue on the Sabbath, for goodness sake. How wicked could they be? But why is it that such animosity boiled up within them as Jesus spoke to them that day? Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing, Jesus told them. The Messiah has come to restore sight to the blind, bring liberty to captives, and to proclaim a new year of favor from God. This is tremendously good news. But shortly thereafter, we hear grumbling. Is this not the carpenter's son? We've known Jesus since he was running around with all the other little rugrats in town. And now, people are telling tall tales about miracles that he is performing in the other villages. Who does this guy think he is? Jesus brought out into the open a collective wound of pettiness and prejudice in their hearts. That wound would have kept festering and poisoned them like an infection if it weren't expelled. When he mentioned how God intervened to save Gentiles through the ministry of the prophets Elijah and Elisha, that was too much for them to bear. The congregation became something more like a mob, intending to toss Jesus over the cliff to his death. Notice how, in a mysterious way, St. Luke wrote that the Lord walked through the midst of them and went away. Jesus was a divine person, and if it was not yet his hour to be glorified, no one could do him harm. As for the crowd, they demonstrated how evil operates. Rather than to be purified and to destroy that which does not belong, 
A person under the influence of evil will prefer to destroy whatever stands in his or her way, heedless of the collateral damage. We only love God as much as the people we love the least. Christians choose to love those whom they may find unlikable, and those who may think we are unlovable to them. We love them by speaking the truth boldly, not conceitedly so as to tear others down, but out of respect for them as brothers and sisters. We can never impose, but only propose, relying on the Holy Spirit to do the heavy lifting. Think of a sort of person who would object to your speaking to them with the prophetic spirit of Christ. Think of someone who would bully or harangue you into endorsing a point of view contrary to the gospel and the moral law, and would ridicule anyone who is not on their side as cruel or out of touch. You may be intersecting with that person for precisely this person purpose. You may be the Jesus or Jeremiah who breaks through that shell. Now you may think, Father, I can't fathom doing that sort of thing. Don't sell yourself short. We Christians have been in this business for 2,000 years. We come from hardy stock. The bottom line is that our insistence on loving our neighbor and showing them our way of life changes the world for the better. Do we believe this? We are to confront the injustices and evils that so many presume are just how the world is, no matter what slings and arrows come our way. Amen.